I intentionally post things that make you smile or they'll, they'll bring joy to your heart. And, and I don't feel the need to bring any negativity to, to Instagram or social media. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life. Because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? My foodie friends, this is going to be a fun episode to listen to. It's so robust, we're actually splitting it into two. I'm interviewing Laura Vitale. She is the YouTube phenomenon called Laura in the Kitchen. With over three and a half million subscribers, she, to me, is the epitome of a YouTube star. She not only shows off her cooking chops on the show, but she shows you how to make these dishes like you're in her own kitchen. She's so approachable. She's an amazing human being. And I got to know her when we were on the show Recipe Rehab together. We went up against each other on a lot of different cooking competitions. And you know what? She is just a pro in every aspect of her life. In this episode of Recipes for Your Best Life, you're going to hear a little bit from Laura about how she got started and the obstacles that she faced beginning her show. And then in the second episode, we'll dive into what she sees as the making of a success, a success in life, a success in career, and what she has in store for the future. I think you're really going to enjoy this two-part series. And as you learn more about Laura, you'll learn more about what it really means to have balance as a professional, as a mom, as a wife, and as an amazing human being. Let's dig in. Laura, it's so good to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. I am so thrilled because the last time we actually got a chance to see each other, we were filming Recipe Rehab, which is like I know eons ago, right? It feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it really does. Well, and you've done a lifetime of things, and I just want to gush for a minute because um, you have had such an incredible career, and you're just getting started. Um, a YouTube like mega star. You have all of these amazing projects that you've worked on and projects to come. How do you keep it all balanced with a family? I mean, you've got a young daughter, you're in business with your husband. What is the secret to your keeping it in balance? I think the secret is saying no a lot, which I know sounds insane, right? <laughs> um, but I say no a lot because unless it's a project worth me staying away from my daughter, even for a day, um, I just don't really get involved in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think having a very clear vision of what you want to do 
you know, projects you're willing to take on, um, having a clear vision of that really helps making that decision. You know what I mean? Did having, um, did having Mia make that crystal clear for you or do you think absolutely. that's always something you've had in you? So definitely since having me, I feel like since having me, I've just learned to prioritize better. I've learned to prioritize my time better. Um, For the first year of her life, I didn't take on any projects. The only things that I did for the first year of her life was I went to New York a few times for like co-hosting Be Bobby Flay, Rachel Ray, Today's Show, things like that, which were very quick one day in and out. Uh, And when she was a baby, I would take her with me because I was nursing her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it. I vowed to no overnight trips, no nothing, because I that year, as you know, flies by so fast. And because she was a nursing champ, <laughs> she was glued <laughs> to me for the first year of her life. And I, it was just a bond that I did not want to break even for an evening. That's you know, so wonderful that you nursed her too. It's so valuable. I did. I nursed her for two years. Wow. And, and the first year was just so pivotal that, I mean, nothing, nothing was going to come in the way of that. that I mean, I, I was ready for that baby and I had been praying for that baby. And now that she was here, I certainly wasn't going to let any, anything in the way. And I made a promise to myself that I would continue Laura in the kitchen just because I had a family helping me when I was filming and I was also smart enough to film uh, almost five months worth of content when I was pregnant. So I took five months off from filming. So I want to talk about that because something that, I mean, you have over three and a half million subscribers on YouTube. That is like mind blowing. I mean, we all know how hard it is to get a subscriber. Do you think you just, even though you are still, I mean, and I say this with like all due respect, like you're still so young, like you, you have so much ahead of you still too, but you have forged the, the way in so many ways. Do you think you just had the understanding that that's what you needed to do to be able to take that time off and enjoy motherhood in your first year? So in the, in the world of YouTube and in the internet, you know, when you say I go out on hiatus for three months because, hey, everybody else takes a, you know, a maternal leave, why can't I? Um, you would fall so back on the burner because yeah. this is the thing. There's a ton of content out there. So if you're not going to post something, somebody else will, and you're going to lose that audience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we were smart enough to know that we just could not take months and months off. Otherwise, we would have to really... I mean, it would be very, very hard to recuperate from, from the loss, okay? So what we did was we thought, well, let's, h- how long do I feel comfortable pre-recording for? And I said that I was going to pre-record it until the end of April. So I started at the end of November. We just pre-recorded everything until April. And so I was comfortable doing that because I had still scheduled programming like every week, two to three times a week. Like it never ended, like it never stopped. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to start filming again when Mia was sleeping through the night and I felt good. I felt like I was back to myself. I didn't put the pressure on me of, I have to film back when, you know, I'm sleep deprived, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, my baby's cluster feeding, she's tired and cranky. I didn't want to do that. So it took a little bit of planning. It was really exhausting because I was eight months pregnant and I was filming for holiday season and also just evergreen content for the following four months. Wow. So, or almost five months. So it was really exhausting. And, uh, but I was, I had a very clear vision of, I, I, the show must go on as usual. 
And I am going to take that time to be with my baby, with my newborn. And I am, that's one of the best things I've ever, ever done. Because again, it, it allowed my channel to grow. It allowed people to be excited for me. And it allowed me the rest and the connection and the bond that I wanted to make with my baby, you know, without the pressure of, I have to get this done right now. It just takes a little bit of planning. And I think when you're a YouTuber, um, how many times do people go on hiatus for a month and then they come back and they say, oh, sorry, I had a lot going on. Well, this is the thing. YouTube is my career. Mm. It is my job. I can't walk away from a job for a month and expect my, you know, my boss to be happy with me. Right. So I take it very seriously and I don't let people down because it would be so unfair. It would be so unfair to say, oh, sorry, I was busy. Well, guess what? You're still cashing their paycheck. So the least you can do is go on it and go, go hard at it and, and treat it like it would be a normal job. And that's what I did. Yeah. You're still showing up for people. What, what made you decide? I mean, let's, let's take a step back. I, I really want everybody to hear a little bit more about how you decided to even choose this route in your career and why YouTube? What, what was it about YouTube that gave you this, you know, this pivotal understanding that this could be the way to launch your career? So it was not my, my uh, idea at all. I was very, <laughs> very, very against it. I thought it was the craziest, um, the craziest idea ever. And that's because, you know, when we started this, we started this in January, it'll be 10 years. Wow. When we started this, you know, YouTube was full of cat videos and skateboard videos and just viral content. And I was at a very low point in my life where I had been working in my father's restaurants for years. Um, and then they ended up closing, you know, due to uh, just bad economy, if we're honest. I mean, 2008 hit and everybody suffered, including us. Sure. Mm-hmm. So my father was smart enough to say, you know what, let's close up shop because I don't want to go down with a sinking ship. So that was smart on, on, his, uh, on his part. But I, you know, loved being in those places. I loved being in front of my customers that I had known for years and years, you know? And yeah. I loved to cook in front of them. And so I was at a low point in my life just feeling really lost. So I remember uh, I've always cooked. I've always, since I moved from, from Italy, I've always cooked all day, every day for my friends and family. And I remember saying to Joe, you know, I want to write a cookbook because I'm so tired of everyone asking me for recipes and tips and things like that. And I just don't have a, you know, I'm tired of writing notes to everybody. You know, I told him, I said, I want to write a cookbook. And my husband's very, very smart. And he's also very realistic. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't think spending all of our savings on self-promoting a book or self-publishing a book would be a good idea because you'll sell it to your 17 friends and then the rest are going to collect dust in the basement. (laughs) So that was, you know, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, That was kind of a hard pill to swallow coming from your husband, right? It is. It's a hard pill to swallow. But again, I knew that he wasn't going to say it. I I knew he wasn't saying it just to be mean. You know what I mean? I knew that there was a reason for him to say it. Sure. And so then he said, what you need is an audience. You need an audience that trusts your method, that believes in you, that loves your cooking and your style. And those are the people that are going to buy your book. And those are the people that are going to cherish that book. So I thought I'm going to have my own show. And my husband would say, yeah, okay, good luck. Go on Food Network's door and knock on it real hard and see if anybody answers, you know, because who are you? So I said, well, I'm out of ideas here. Like, what do you want me to do? And at this time, we were renovating our old house and we had a huge basement. And he said, well, why don't we do something crazy? We'll do a website and we'll post videos on it. We'll host our own videos on it on how to make specific recipes. And that way, 
people have a place to find it and people have a place to go when they ask you for where the recipe is. I was against it. I had never, ever, I mean, I even hated taking pictures for my wedding. I'm just not comfortable in front of a camera. I'm not, I've never. Yeah, and there's, I'm laughing right now because I'm like, you're such a natural. There's I no know. that anybody could hear you say that and, and believe it. I know. I just never done it before. And so he one night after one too many glasses of wine, <laughs> um, I agreed. I was like, okay, fine. We'll do it. So we built, we built the set, the kitchen before we even shot a single video. Hmm. We had it built for like a year before I agreed that I would do it. And, but you, you couldn't just place videos onto, you couldn't just embed videos onto your website. You needed a, a different channel. So that's where YouTube came in. Yeah. And we just, at the, the time, we just strictly used YouTube as a way to embed our videos to the website because we wanted the videos to live on lauriandthekitchen.com. So it wasn't until we started doing the YouTube videos, and this was 10 years ago, the quality was terrible. I was so uncomfortable in front of a camera. We had no idea what we were doing, um, but we just didn't quit because we started to build an audience. And it was the craziest thing to me because at first, when I first started this, I thought I'm going to get just reamed because the world is full of Martha Stewart and Bobby Flay and Jada's, all the wonderful trained chefs. Why are they, what are they want for me? You know, what do I have to build to, to bring to the table? What ended up happening is it was the opposite. People started saying, I can't believe it. It's just a girl next door, just like me, who shops at a regular grocery store, who makes mistakes and doesn't apologize for it. Yeah. And it just was comments like that of so happy to have found you, so happy that you do things like I do. You make me feel comfortable in the kitchen. You, and it just it started building this audience all on its own. And it was amazing to me because I thought, I'm a mess. <laughs> the quality but, is awful, but the authenticity was there. That And that, you know, we know that to be true now because, of course, like, you want to follow somebody and engage with somebody that you can relate to. I mean, it's very hard to, it's not like, you know, you don't want to follow the people who are household names, but at the same time, you want to be able to emulate somebody that's realistic, somebody that you can actually take what they're teaching you and implement it. But what, what do you think, what do you attribute to growing your audience initially? I mean, even still, I mean, YouTube is, is like, and was the wild frontier. How did you stand out to actually grab people's attention for those that were flipping around trying to find cooking videos and turn them into subscribers? It always comes down to the same thing, which was consistency. People were uploading a video a month. They would disappear. They would come back a month later with a different video. Me, I'm aggressive. Mm. I'm aggressive and I'm passionate about anything that I really put my heart and soul into. And so about I would say about a year after we started Laura in the kitchen, we were uploading a couple times a week, but then a year after we started I thought, you know what, if I really want to grow this and I want to stand, I, if I really want to stand out from the crowd, I have to have the biggest library, not to be greedy, mm -hmm. but because I really want to build an audience that's here to stay. So for nine months, we uploaded a new video every single day. Wow. Every day. And I was still, Joy and I were still both working full-time jobs. So we'd be working all day. We would come home. We would film a couple nights a week and then we would film all weekend. And we did that for nine months. Wow. We didn't take vacation. We didn't, we didn't even go to Italy for two years in a row, for two summers, because we were just so, I mean, we were, 
we were on a mission to save every penny, to build Laura in the kitchen, to really grow this to what it, you know, could it be something amazing? We don't know, but we won't know unless we try our part, you know, our all. Mm. So for nine months, we uploaded every single day. And so um, at the end of that nine months, I think we had grown to from like maybe 50,000 subscribers that we had gained that year to like 250. Like it was great. It was a crazy amount of subscribers that we had gained. Wow. Um, and we just, at the, after that nine months, we had, you know, grown a library, a pretty extensive library at this point. And we thought that it would be, it was the good, it was a good time to like step back a little bit and start uploading two to three times a week, which is what we've did. We've done ever since. Um, and it's been a really interesting journey because it really, I mean, I am no different than anybody else that's doing this. Some people are more successful. Some people are catching up. The only thing is I've always been consistent. Like I said, I, even when I was pregnant and took a leave, I didn't miss a beat. I always uploaded on time. I always uploaded weekly because I know that it is a very tough world to survive in because there's so much content. So I've spoken on, on panels with Google and YouTube many, 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 many times. And when I tell people that consistency and being authentic to who you are is really the key to to succeeding in this field, everyone looks at me like I have 10 heads because I think people are expecting this grand answer that in reality, all it takes is for you to really go at it hard because you got to keep in mind other people are doing it harder than you. So, but Laura, I, I want to say something because I agree with you. I think consistency and showing up for your audience and being authentic is important, but you are incredibly talented. So I don't want to diminish the fact that maybe you. you started out you know, being not as comfortable, but you are, I mean, you're a pro and Thank watching you. you, you learn so much just by watching you and your confidence just shines. Where I you, appreciate where that. Do, how do you think that, do you think it was just practice that made perfect ultimately for you um, to gain that confidence? I think, you know what it is? I don't, I got, I got to a point where, you know, for the first couple of years, maybe for the first three or four years, I was so concerned about being picked apart. I was so concerned about, you know, comparing me to someone else or mm. she's not trained. She's not good enough because she's not doing this. And for the first few years, I mean, I would say with the first three or four years, maybe even five years, I don't know. I was so concerned about that. And then a light bulb hit, you know, kind of went off in my head you don't really need anybody's approval. You don't really need, you don't, you don't yeah. really need other people's opinions. People's opinion, the opinions of people you don't know shouldn't affect you because you don't know them, you know? Mm -hmm. And also I'm not creating content for people that want to pick me apart. I'm creating content for people that are, that are uplifting, that want to be here to have fun. That want to be here to laugh and to make a good meal. Even if they burn it halfway through, who cares? Start over, scra you know, scrape off what's burned and, and hide the rest. Do you know what I mean? Right. right. That, that's the audience I want to appeal to. So if you are a perfectionist that wants to take advice from a trained chef, well, then you're not in the right place. And this is the great thing about what we do. You know, this is the great thing about the internet is that there is somebody there for everybody. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I listened to Rachel Ray speak at an event once and she said, and this stuck with me. And she said, you know, this is right when I had that light bulb moment. She said, People are entitled to their opinion. There was a website at the time. She said, there's a website called IHateRachelRay.com. 
And then there's wow. another one that says rachelraysucks.com or something like that. And she wow. said, and guess those people are perfectly entitled to think that. Mm. And I thought, you know, she, she's Rachel freaking Ray. There is yeah. no, I mean, you yeah. don't get better than her. I'm sorry. You know, I've mm. loved and admired her for years. And then I met her in person and she's even better in person. So it's like, uh, how can this woman do it all? You know? Yeah. And that really hit me. And I thought, you know, people are absolutely entitled to their opinion. And I just, from that point forward, I just grew this confidence of, I don't really care that you, that you don't like me or that you don't think I do things properly or that you might not think that I'm doing things well because I'm not trained. I know what I bring to the table. I know that I make people feel comfortable getting back into the kitchen. And that's really all that matters to me. Yeah. You know, I think have, having that understanding, because let's face it, like reading reviews on you, you know, the trolls out there all day long, they live for that. They live for getting a rise out of people and you have to just like bless the haters. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have your opinion, but it's not going to impact what my mission and what I'm doing is. Yeah. I always say this. If I had a long, long dining table and everybody was sitting at that table. All of my beautiful audience members were sitting at that table. And a, f- a few people got up and left because they were upset with me because I said something wrong or they don't like me for whatever reason. I will leave that seat open for you to come back to. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a malicious bone in my body. Yeah. I don't feel hatred for people that say awful things. You know, I just hope that they, you know, turn around and come and enjoy the party again because I'm taking nothing from them. Right. And it's interesting. I've I've read and heard very, you know, like well, well known people that have like over a hundred million followers and, and they, you know, they kind of make this comment, like, I'm sorry if what I said upset you so much, like, I know we don't Mm -hmm. know each other, but the fact that you are spending your time being so upset makes me sad. And it's interesting, I I think as our world has opened up and social media has taken such a huge role in our lives, we are very accessible to people. How do you, how do you balance that with your personal life? Because I know there's, you know, it's hard to sometimes protect your, your family and, and your daughter, especially, and then still have that transparent face where people feel like they can get to know you. How do you feel like you balance that? I think it's also important to remember that social media is a, is a highlight reel and you are seeing what people want you to see. People say all the time, what, you know, I never see pictures of your daughter being cranky or upset. And I think, well, why would I, (laughs) why would I put a photo of my child having a tamper tantrum on Instagram for people to pick apart? Why would I do that? I intentionally post things that make you smile although they'll bring joy to your heart and and i don't feel the need to bring any negativity to to instagram or social media life is so full of negativity and the world is so full of just darkness you know what i mean i want to be a light i want to be a light when you come to my instagram i want you to see sweet photos of my child i want you to see photos of delicious food snippets of my home that bring me joy uh, and snippets of our family life, because truly, I, I'm the kind of person where if I'm happy, I want you to be happy too. Yeah. If I am enjoying Christmas early, I want you to enjoy it too. You know mm. what I mean? I love That's, that. You know, I don't, I don't post things that I feel like could be scrutinized and picked apart and, and dragged because there's just no point. Yeah. And so I intentionally just post things that I know will make people smile and leave it at that. Now, 
people, as you know, some people just will find anything to pick apart. They just will. They absolutely will. That's their I mean, MO because they're usually is. pretty upset with their own lives. It is. Someone yeah. once told, commented repeatedly on photos of Mia saying, it's so weird that she smiles so much. Think <laughs> about that. Think about that. That has stood with me. Wow. Thinking, I mean, to, to find such, is to, to pick apart such joy and such happiness of a smile of a little, t- of a little girl. I mean, something got, something's got to be wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but people will pick apart anything. So I have, you just, I go into it just feeling confident that what I post, there's no shame in what I post. Um, my family's proud of what I post and leave it at that. There has to be, there are things that I keep private. There has to be a level, either, you, have, you have to have a level of, just sort of a line in the road that I don't cross. You know what I mean? What is that line for you? Like what would so you what, not share? What I always say is there are things that there are topics I never bring up ever with anybody online or in interviews. And that would be finances, child discipline, religion, and politics. Mm-hmm. Those are the four topics I never, ever bring up because no matter what your answer is, no matter what, there's going to be people mad at you. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? If I say, I really think that from the time you can work, you need to save every penny until retirement. People will say, how dumb you should be spending it while you're young and you're having fun. You know what I mean? Like if, no matter what you say, there will be backlash. So I've made the decision years before I even had a child that those are the four topics that I'm never going to bring up. Um, and it's just better that way. Because I, think then, I think that's very smart because I think, you know, you know, what's, you know, what fodder is for, you know, people out there that are just looking to get into a fight and argument. Yes. And it's very easy to do that when you're behind an anonymous screen you know, mm-hmm. it's very easy to kind of just, and, and people know how to get under your skin. They <laughs> do. Many times. They do. And so I just don't talk about those things because those are also things that are important to me and my family and we keep it amongst ourselves. You don't have to share everything. If you're going to share everything, every marital, marital problem you have, every financial issue you're coming across, then you're opening yourself up to be scrutinized. And then you can't really blame people for picking you apart. Right. You know what I mean? And you're in a situation, you know, a unique situation. I want to talk about this a little bit. Your husband, Joe, is your partner in life and your business partner and really your manager. Um, I know that, you know, there are certain roles that he has, certain roles that you have. How do you keep that copacetic? I know some people will probably say, wow, they're in each other's faces all day, every day. Like, how do you do that and have a successful marriage and business? It's, it really is interesting because that's truly the, the, the answer I always get. People always say, well, by five o'clock, you guys must want to kill each other. And that's tr- truly not the case at all. And it comes down to, first of all, when we started working together, we really didn't know where our roles were going to be. It was like, you know, let's film this video and see where it goes. Once we started building a business, those roles became very clear. And so from that point forward, we've always made it, we made a conscious effort to keep our roles separate from each other. So I am the face of the brand. I am the creator of the rest. You know, I make, I create the, the, the rest of the content. Um, I'm in front of the camera. I do all of my TV stuff. That's all me. The behind the scenes, 
the editing, the dealing with brands, dealing with agents, dealing with lawyers, which by the way, it is a full time job. That's all him. <laughs> That's bet. all him. Mm-hmm. So from, from, I would say from the time this really took a turn into full blown business mode, I made it very, very clear to him that I do not want to be asked questions that I, you don't need my answers for. Like you, you're my husband and you're my manager. You know what I stand for. You know what I'm willing to work on and what I'm not. Don't fill my head with questions that I mean, they don't just, they just don't need my input. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And Uh, that implicit trust that you have, obviously, because he's your husband, mm -hmm. do you think that ended up being so beneficial versus like hiring a stranger potentially to manage your career? So, so I think so, but, but having said that, you know, my agents are my agents and I, and I, when we, when, when I started working with them, I didn't really know them aside from having a few meetings with them, but I, you have to really go with your gut because I had met with a couple other agents before and really just, it was not the right fit. And I feel the same way about my agents that I do about, about Joe and he's my husband and they're not related to me. So it's about finding a team that you trust completely and that has your best interest in heart. Many times if a deal comes my way, my, and it goes to my agent first, my agent will email Joe because, you know, I'm the last person that they'll ask, believe it or not. <laughs> and I prefer it that way. Yeah. My agents will email Joe and say, I think this is a pass. Doesn't sound good. Give me your feedback and we'll move forward. And then Joe can make the decision of being, you know, of involving me or he'll make the decision of, I know she wouldn't want to do this. Let's pass. Mm. And that's wonderful because I don't need my brain cluttered with so many questions. I have so many brands and so many deals that are up in the air every day that if I were to be involved in it, I would never do my job well because my job is to be in the kitchen, create content for Laura in the kitchen, for different partners that I'm working with, for whatever, whatever it is that's going on. My job is not to be on the phone with people and literally losing my mind because we can't come to an agreement on something. I love you know that. what I mean? That's, yeah. that's his job. He doesn't involve me in his job. I don't involve him in mine. The only time we work together for a full day is when we shoot. Otherwise he's in his office and he's doing his thing with the door shut and I'm downstairs in my quarters doing what I do best. And we don't see each other till six o'clock. And so it's perfect. Having, having that clear delineation, I think that's really fascinating. Um, having that clear delineation and respect and trust in each other that each of your jobs is going to get done the right way. I mean, ultimately, you have the veto power, right? Ultimately, mm-hmm. you can say, I do want to do this or I don't want to do this. How, how do you measure up your partnership opportunities? Because I can only imagine you get inundated. Like what, how do you go through them and decide, yes, that sounds like a good opportunity or you know what, I'm going to take a pass on that. It really comes down to the brand and it really comes down to the project and it really comes down to whether or not it fits with what I do, with who I am. Uh, So I actually get a ton of people that are fascinated that say, you know, for having the audience that you do, you don't do a lot of, a lot of partner, you know, partnership with brands. And why is that? And I say, because one, when I do a partnership with a brand, I always hope that it's a, you know, a long relationship. So uh, those are a little bit harder to come by, but you know, I love those authentic relationships. Those are important to me. So I always go to those first, but also, I mean, if, if it's a product that I don't use, if it's a brand that I don't align with, um, I just don't, I just pass it on. 
You know what I mean? Even, recently, when, even when it's a big deal, even when it's yes. like, so we, your salary for the year. Yeah, so absolutely. We were just approached actually not too long ago by a huge, like globally known brand with an amazing six-figure deal. I mean, I couldn't believe it, you know? Um, and it's funny because when, when this came to me, it came to my agent. My agent sent it to Joe and she said, you know, I don't think this is going to go. And Joe said, absolutely not. But of course, he passed it by me. And I said, I mean, it would be great to cash a check, but absolutely not. It doesn't fit with my brand and doesn't fit with who I am. And, and I'm just not willing to sell myself to anybody. You know, you're not, I'm not willing to sell my authenticity to anybody for any amount of money. So I just pass it along. And that happens every single day. That's amazing. Every single day. I, I think that level of integrity is really rare and hard to find well, in our world of, you know, Insta influencers mm -hmm. that, have not done anything and will take, you know, yeah, but here's money to promote a brand. But here's how I look at it. I look at it a little bit different. This brand should have never came to me because they should know if they'd done any research at all, then they would have done. I'm they, they would have known I'm not their fit. Mm. So this, you're looking for numbers. You don't really care that it doesn't align. You don't really care that it's not your audience. You're just looking for people's eyeballs. Okay. Basically, because when you, when you are working with a creator, uh, typically you, you look at them like they're a commercial, right? They're not a salesperson. They're, you're buying commercial. That bothers me. It bothers me that you didn't even do enough research to know that that's not my audience. You could have asked for analytics and I would have told you that it's not your audience. You don't want yeah. these people's eyeballs to view your product because it's, that's not the person that's going to buy your product. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So They're just I'm looking not, at it as straight numbers and sure. potential I mean, look, but the potential to partner with you is pretty freaking awesome. So like well, I can it, understand at the same time, but I see what you mean. Like ultimately for a brand to make sense to you, it needs to line up with your intrinsic values. And at the same it time, does. you have an audience. How would you describe your audience? Like, what does your audience look like? My audience is the best audience you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> um, I'm included in that audience. So yeah, I, the, that. I mean, we are the, 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 the place that what we've built is truly been built by them. It's a community of strong, they, they, they die. They, I always say they ride deep with their family faith. You know, my audience is so kind and wonderful and it's made up of teenagers, moms, dads, grandparents. I mean, I did a recently, I did a, a, an event with Google where I got to meet some of my audience members face to face one-on-one -on -one. and the, the, the variety of people just is so heartwarming because you have teenage girls who are so proud to learn to cook because they're going to go to college mm -hmm. and they now can cook on their own. Yeah. And then we had single moms that were crying and thanking me for making accessible food, easy to shop for, uh, easy on the wallet and easy for them to put together at the end of a long day when they have to pick up their kids from daycare and they're all alone. And then I had grandparents who make my recipes and hand those recipes down now to their grandchildren because it's such a staple in their holiday homes. So it's it, it, these fearless, strong people who from, they're from all walks of life who have one thing in common and that is just passion for humanity and their family. And that to me, it does, just, you don't get better than that. You yes. don't get better than that. That, you know, but you built that and you, you are a reflection of them, right? Do you feel like your avatar essentially is, you know, 
somebody that you would hang out with? I mean, I would be my own best friend. And I'm going to tell you why. Yes, I'll tell you why. I am not judgmental. I love a little too hard, even when I've been stabbed a few times, you know? I really try hard to see the good and the fun in everything that I do, because if you don't laugh, you cry. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.